to you about Luke 15. If you have your Bibles here, turn to Luke 15 today. It's been great to be on vacation. It's awesome to have such an awesome staff with Pastor Steve and Pastor Kevin sharing. Um, we were gonna, I was going to be gone the entire month of July. I just couldn't do it. It wasn't that they couldn't do it, but uh, we missed you so much. We wanted to be back and I'll take a little time off in August as well. But I want to talk to you about this why and crazy love. In Luke chapter 15, it starts out like this with verses 1 and 2. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. Who was gathering around? The tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. In another translation, it says they grumbled. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So in Luke 15, Jesus gets set up by some people grumbling. They're asking why. Why does he do this? What's going on? I can't understand this. This makes no sense to me. They're grumbling and complaining. So Jesus decides to explain it. And basically, the first why I had is, why were the sinners and tax collectors there? And it's something I want us to look at is, is maybe taking our mindset that you and I generally have towards the population around us who are outside Christianity and what they're thinking, and maybe revisit that again. Because we've been taught for so long that they don't care. They don't care about the message of Jesus. But I'm looking at this and I go, people want to hear Jesus. People want to, they, they stood around Jesus, the tax collectors and sinners, because he stood out from the religious people of the day. You see what I'm saying? There are religious people of the day and there was Jesus. And it wasn't that they were gathering around the religious people of the day. They were gathering around Jesus, who would have been wearing an Air Apostle shirt, in case you think this is a ragged shirt. It's an Air Apostle shirt. He would have been wearing something like this today. Nice new shirt. You guys like it? It's good, huh? So here's the whole idea. There's religiosity, which we all can practice, and guess who we all do? We all do. But then there's Jesus, who sets apart, and people want to know what Jesus has to offer. And that's where we have to start changing our mindset. And, and then, then I look at not only does the people want to come to Jesus, but look at who Jesus wants to hang around with. Jesus wants to hang around lost people and sinners. Why? Well, then he begins to explain the why. And he goes into three parables. Parable number one is the parable of the lost sheep. Parable number two is the parable of the lost coin. And parable number three is the parable of the lost son. So we have three parables. The first parable, parable of lost sheep, Jesus goes on and says, there was, uh, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and you lose one. Won't you go out and search over the whole countryside, leaving the 99, and go search for just that one? Won't you do that? And then when you find this one, you'll carry it back on your shoulders. And you will celebrate this time with a party. God loves a party. He throws a party, it says, every time... Listen, listen to this. Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more people rejoicing in heaven, or more rejoicing in heaven, I'm sorry, over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. And then he goes on to the parable of the lost coin. And he says there's a woman with ten coins, probably a widow, because he's talking about a woman. In her house she has ten coins. This is it. This is her life savings. There is no IRA. The markets have crashed. There is no retirement plan. This is it. Her ten coins, right? So she has ten coins, and how is she going to handle it? Well, she loses one. And it says, she goes around and is curious all over the place and finds the coin. And she says, rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. The same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And I begin to look at these things. And you begin to see a pattern here. Jesus is speaking to those who do not understand why he would want to hang out with those who are outside the kingdom of God. What tends to happen to you and I, 
or many of us anyway, is that once we meet Jesus, we leave some of the old friends, which is sometimes, many times at that point, is a good thing, and we get ingrained in the Christian society and Christian culture so much that we separate ourselves that we never hang out with people who are outside the faith again, nor do we interact because we feel comfortable. And that's not, guys, the ways of Jesus. You see, if we lose a heart for souls at the River Church, we've lost our purpose, really, for existing. He who wins souls is wise, says Proverbs. And that's where this is coming from. Jesus is saying there's a priority on reaching people for souls. So I thought to myself, self, who would be the best to talk about this? Who could I talk with? Well, I thought I need just a couple regular guys who are passionate about sharing their faith. In fact, they're a little crazy about sharing their faith. And so I thought I'd invite them up. It's Nate Hurst and Jacob Pendleton. So both of you guys come on up. And I'm going to do a little bit of interview. Just welcome them. Make them feel like they're part of the Nate hits me like a linebacker, but it's start of football season, so it's all good. Nate is, is a master plan, and why don't you just tell us what, you're, what you do up at the college? We work with college students, and we say that we multiply spiritual multipliers. Chris and Kaylee are right there. Golly, it's good seeing you guys. So our passion is to share Christ with college students, to disciple them into strong believers, and then to send them out into the harvest, because the harvest is so great. Now, Jacob is our token missionary. Um, Jacob's actually just come out of Afghanistan, guys. And uh, he's come out of Afghanistan uh, because in prayer, what happened in prayer? You guys decided to do what kind of radical thing in the middle of Afghanistan? Well, we decided to invite like about 100 people over and uh, distribute Bible or give them all Bibles and then show the, a film about Jesus. And, uh, some people in our community, we've done that quite a bit, but at this point, uh, they really didn't like that. So they, they asked us. They, well, they told us that we're going to burn your house down if you don't get out of town in 24 hours. So they had 24 hours to escape. They ran a backpacking kind of YWAM base, right? Yeah. For about five years, we were, we were there. So now he, he sends me an email and says, you know, I really feel like the Lord wants us to come to the River Church to, to be a part of the River Church for the next six months while we decide what we're doing. And by the way, is there anybody, any place we could stay? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. So Lynn sends an email out to a couple people. I'm starting to get frantic and thinking, like, how much can you pay? And Lynn's going, don't worry about it. I'm going, well, you know, I'm thinking, oh, how are we going to take care of this, get some people together to pay? And Lynn goes, don't worry about it. So then she sends an email out, and we get some people from church uh, called Pete, (laughs) Pete's mom's house. Uh, He lets us, lets him stay in that for a while. So that was awesome. And then another couple from the church who come here during the summer months uh, are just leaving or just left, right? You've, they're going to stay in that. So the Lord provided a house for them to stay out of our congregation. So you're going to want to get to know these guys. They're going to be part of us for a season anyway, and it's just going to be a great season. So I invite these guys up because they're just average, non-average people who love to share their faith in Christ. So I want to do a lot of this today just kind of as an interview process. We're just I, This is, hasn't been rehearsed, and you may notice that as we go along because you go, boy, this isn't together. But we're going to let the Holy Spirit really take this. Tell me, first of all, why? Why would you spend your time sharing your faith with others? I mean, what, what motivates you? What, what sent you there? Well, first of all, it's God's command to each one of us. And I think that's the primary reason that we should do it. A lot of times we hear people say you have to have the gift of evangelism before you do evangelism. It's not the case. In fact, Jesus said, if you follow me, in Matthew 4.19, I will make you fishers of men. And so any of you guys in here that follow Jesus... 
are called to be fishers of men. And so it's his command first. And the next reason that we share is that eternity is real. Heaven and hell are real, right? There are people that are going to be spending an eternity apart from God in hell. And the reality, guys, is that about two people a second die on this planet. That means by the time we're done talking this morning, 4,000 people will have died. Many of those into a Christless eternity. Okay? Romans 10.13 tells you some good news. It says that if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Saved from, from hell. Saved from yourself. Remember the bitterness, the envy, the jealousy, the lust, the pride, the arrogance, the violence, the hate, the anger, the bitterness. All that stuff, you're saved from it. That's great. Romans 10.13. But then 14 continues. But how can they call on whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? And so the reality, guys, is that they need people to be preaching to them. So that's why we share first, because we're called to. And second, because the harvest is so ripe and people desperately need to hear about Jesus. So I'm passionate about sharing with people, not because I'm gifted, but because I'm called. Um, and I think for me, maybe uh, about 10 years ago, I became a Christian and then joined YWAM in Colorado for about five years. And, um, but for me, uh, it, it is a lot to do with that. Like a lot of times in, in the States, uh, people think a disciple means that you can choose to disobey Jesus. You know, like, uh, but that's really, like, for me, like, I've learned the joy of obeying Jesus, you know. So, like, Afghanistan might seem like a weird thing, or, or going different places uh, where people don't like you, or, or even sharing on the street here when people might not like you, or different things like that. But it's joyful. I find my, my most fulfilling times, my most joy that I have in just uh, everything like that is just obeying Jesus. And this is one of the ways that, that we're called to obey Jesus. So, for, um, for us, we've really learned the joy of just how God is like, and He wants to do it with us. I think that's that's something that that I really learned, you know, as we're going along sharing our faith many places all around the world. That even like last week, uh, just you know, that God wants to do it with us. And tell us what so you did. Tell us what you did last week. Well, we we were praying together, and we saw some guys, and we said, let's just go share with these guys. And just two random guys in the park. And we went up and started talking with him. And one guy, it turns out he's having one of the worst days of his life. He had a court date. He had some issues he just found out with his daughter that morning. He was really stressed out. Hardcore. And we got to share the gospel with him. It turns out he, he is a believer, but he hasn't been walking with God. But he was convinced that God had sent us to encourage him that day. We ended up praying with him and sharing scripture with him. And he was just one example of the harvest that is so ripe around us, guys. He actually had said that he was going to kill somebody that day. His, actually, his, his actual words was, I'm, I was going to kill this person that day, and, and you guys coming up and sharing with me convinced me that I should. I could see him tearing up because I was sitting right next to him and everything like that. But that kind of stuff puts it in perspective. And I have never, ever, after I went out and shared, even when I don't want to, many times I don't want to right when I'm about to go do it. you know. But like after I'm done, I'm like, this is why I'm alive. I love life. I love it. You know what I mean? It puts in perspective our little problems or differences that, and stuff like that that we oftentimes dwell on. And so I encourage you guys, you know, it's, it's really rewarding as well. That's obedience there. And just think, he was going to go kill somebody, so it really became a better day for two people. <laughs> <laughs> what happened if he wasn't obedient and if this guy really carried through on this anger and this bitterness? That person was there needing a word from God, needing to know he's loved, that, he's, that he hasn't been abandoned by his Heavenly Father that there is not only hope for him, but a pursuing God, a God who's pursuing us. And if you're disobedient, that person's left there. And, and think about it, how often you may have been prompted to do something you didn't do it. So our encouragement today is 
Of all eternity, it matters to be, bottom line, obedient. Will you listen to your Savior's voice? My sheep know me, right? So will you listen to your Savior's voice? Will you become part of this grand plan of God to reach a lost world for him? I would love this church just to boil over and brim over with those who are throughout their, their week just looking for opportunities to share. So talk to me about when you go for evangelism, what, what part does... In sharing your faith, what part does prayer have as a part of it? Jake, can you start us out and we'll go back to me? Yeah, I, I mean, for us, this is for all of our life, but um, we, when we do evangelism, we usually do a thing called treasure hunts, and we just pray and we say, God, where do you want us to go? Uh, who do you want us to minister to? And he'll give us a picture sometimes in our head about, like, okay, this part or this place, this kind of person. And so we have done that many, many times. And so for us, prayer is the undergirding thing because you're doing it with God. You're not just... Okay, I'm a soldier for Jesus. I'm going out doing it. It's He wants to do it with us. And so many times we've had experiences where, you know, we went out and I, I was telling, I, I shared a little bit of this story at last service, just praying on the plane and asking God, you know, uh, there was a guy sitting next to me that was an unbeliever and the Lord told me in the bathroom, he said, you need to show him and prove to him that I'm God. <laughs> okay, God, how do I do that? And God spoke to me. His father's an alcoholic. Tell him that. And, you know, that will open up the door. So I went back to him and I sat in my chair and I said, this is weird, but I feel like God's saying to me that your father was an alcoholic and uh, his eyes get really big, and, you know, and uh, and then that opened up the door to, for me to share Jesus. So for us, it's everything. So if you're ever on an airplane and want to know where you're to God, go to the bathroom, hear God, and come back to your seat and let you share. Take I think prayer and evangelism are inseparable. We call it the divine order. We say first talk to God about people and then talk to people about God. That's You cannot separate the two. You have to do this with God. You can't just do it on your own. Awesome. I think in America, they bought the lie, we bought the lie, that my friend who likes to party or my neighbor who is all about you know, building his own personal kingdom don't want to hear anything about God. What's the truth? Tell us the truth. Matthew 9, 37, Jesus says the harvest is ripe. And he didn't lie, right? <laughs> I don't think any of you here believe he's a liar. And he said the harvest is ripe. In John 12, 32 and 33, he says he's already drawing every single person to himself. So you can know confidently that every person you cross paths with, God is already working on their heart. And so you don't have to wonder, is this person open? Is this person receptive? Even if they cuss in your face, God is working in their heart. And you can trust that by faith. I mean, this example in Afghanistan, what we just did, it just got kicked us, us kicked out of the country. And so oftentimes you can look at failures as, as something like, uh, or, or what would be perceived as failures, like, oh, I went up and shared with somebody and they got really mad at me, you know, as a, as a failure or something like that. But how Jesus looks at it in, in his heaven and mind looking down, he's like, that's my boy. Man, he's going out with me. Let's go do this together. And um, I think it's oftentimes, you know, if they're not interested, go to the next person. It's not, he's not as concerned as much about that, but when you do it with God, man, so many times, like in Kona, Hawaii, this last year, we were helping them out in, in YWAM's largest uh, training facility there, and man, people on the street all the time, we would just pray and I'd say, God, where do you want us to go? Uh, who do you want us to talk to? He'd give us a picture in our mind, and so many times I have stories of just going up to people and they're weeping in front of me, you know, like as I share Jesus, and then other times they might be mad, but man, it, it was just so... Uh, it's so rewarding and refreshing. There's a lot of people hurting out there, and I think we're the answer. And uh, so that's simply to be a listening ear or to tell them about, you know, Jesus at time. That needs to be leading them to Jesus. You know? And I think that's key, what you said there about praying. 
You know, it's not going out there going, oh, I think I'll just, you know, shoot these evangelistic bullets at whoever, but saying, Holy Spirit, you know, you've already got this set up for me. I, I sense today is my day to go, and I'm gonna, when is it my day to go, probably, but, you know, I'm listening, Lord, to you. Is it, and maybe it's a time to call somebody. You think, man, they're not usually open, but, you know, I just really feel a sense of somebody, and especially in brokenness. That's a time when people are so open. I was reading a statistic yesterday about an eight, oh, it was a, a I was going to bring that book. It was uh, from Tommy Barnett's church down in uh, Phoenix First Assembly. We went there last Sunday night. And uh, got uh, bought several books. But one book talked about an 86-year-old man who what he did is he'd go to the hospitals to pray for people. He had led his 8,253rd person to Christ. Because all he did is go to hospitals and pray with people. And many of those people he prayed with were open to Christ. So it's, it's sensing, Lord, where are people open? Who can I speak to? Maybe uniquely... How have you uniquely created me to do that? I, I just want to even share, last year, as we were going to Afghanistan, we had a team with us. I just said, let's split up and go throughout the airport and say, God, where to go, go share, you know. And so we, we had, we prayed and we felt like God said, okay, go here, go there. Well, one lady that we ended up talking to, um, she ended up, uh, God gave me a word of knowledge while I was talking to her. I just was talking to her like I'm talking to Dwight right here and uh, God gave me a word of knowledge and said, you know, that uh, she, her father has abused her in the past and stuff like that. So I just told her, I just said, hey, your father, I feel like maybe God is saying that she's, she's not a Christian. Your father has abused you in the past and different things. She just starts weeping right in front of me. And then that opened up the door for me to share Jesus. And so oftentimes it's stuff like that. God, uh, people everywhere, you know, we're made to want to see miracles, signs, wonders and see that God's real, and He wants to show Himself real. I remember one time on the plane, God told me, and He said, you know, I want you to prove to me, prove to people that, that I'm real. And so I think that's often the times where it's it's really on us. It's not like He's sitting in heaven like, uh, I don't know if I should share today. It's really, our, we're the vessels carrying His presence, and sometimes we limit Him. And uh, I remember the same thing happened on the plane. Uh, God gave a word of knowledge again about like this guy, he, his father was an alcoholic, and I just told him, I said, well, God wants to prove to you that you're real, that he's real, and um, and your father was an alcoholic and everything, and he just, the same thing. And that is the vessel, oftentimes, that opens up uh, people's hearts to be able to hear about Jesus. Okay. Um, next thing I want to talk about is who is supposed to, and you kind of already hit on this, Nate, a little bit, who should do evangelism? I mean, is it, you know, a certain number? Is it the pastors of the church? Is it, who is it that does, should do evangelism? Okay, many of us think and we believe the lie that evangelism is only for the people that have the gift of evangelism. How many of you guys have heard that? Probably most of you in here. What if you came up to Jakin and said, Jakin, I really need encouragement today. And Jakin said, well, tough, Steve. That's not my gift. I'm not going to encourage you. <laughs> Sounds silly, right? Or, or what, if some, what if somebody you knew had a very big financial need and said, gosh, could you really help me out here? We're, we're struggling. And you said... My gift is not giving, so uh, no, I can't help you out. All right, this this stuff sounds silly, but yet we say that about evangelism. There's no other gift that Scripture talks about that we say those kinds of things about. And I think it's a big lie that Satan tells us to try and get us out of the greatest adventure God has given us. See, your Christian walk has a lot to do with you and God, but when we share, it's outward focused with others. And we get to experience the greatest adventure ever. Jacob has talked about it. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says we get to co-labor with God. God is working in you and through you, and he's using your hands and your mouth to work in somebody else's life. That's exciting. But yet, often, we get robbed of that joy and that adventure and that risk because we believe 
the lie that we aren't called to do this. All of us are called to do this. That's all through Scripture. In fact, Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 9, he said, woe is me if I don't share the gospel. <laughs> this is what we're all called to. You know, if you go sharing with Nate, you don't need a Bible. If you just say, can I hold with Nate? <laughs> He's got this uh, gift, I suppose, for the Lord, where he doesn't forget Scripture. It just, like, goes in him. So it's, it's one of those things I would like the Lord to deposit in me so much more. One of the things I think for a lot of us is we know we should share our faith. I mean, I think everybody here would say, okay, I'm supposed to share my faith, but I don't do it because I'm busy because of this and that. But I think it comes to a point where we have to have that passion, that there's something lit within us. And it's kind of like when I first became a pastor, the difference between me speaking and speaking from the power of the presence of God was the idea that I had to understand as you as a church. What am I saying that you have to get this point? You have to get it because it's eternally valuable. And so there's an eternal value in what I'm sharing. So as I preach or as, I, as I'm preparing, it's like, Lord, what are you saying that they got to get this because that gives me passion to share. What, what, what fuels your passion? For, why should these young people over here or young people over here or college students here, why should they care? Why, why the passion? What fuels the passion in your lives? First of all, Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I think he fuels the passion. If I'm not sharing my faith... It is a lot less a duty that I need to try harder at. And it is a lot more a Savior that I need to love. That's the core issue. If I love my Savior, if I love Jesus more than anything in this life, it'll be impossible for me not to speak about him. Does that make sense? If I'm never talking about him, somebody would have to conclude that I don't love him that much. You could even do a, a self-evaluation when you get home. Maybe sit down with your spouse or call a friend and say, what do I talk about most? And they're going to let you know what you talk about most. And check for yourself whether Jesus is in that list. And I know for me, it was really convicting. When I did this with myself, I realized I talk about ministry a lot more than I talk about Jesus. I realized, man, do I love ministry more than I love my Savior? It was just convicting for me. So I'd encourage you to do that. But the passion comes from Christ himself. Jacob? That is really excellent what he said. I, I think sometimes we're so results-oriented in the States, we think that oh, only if I can see X number of people come to the Lord, you know, am I going, should I do this, you know, then it, it, I might be successful. But the Lord doesn't look at it like that. He looks down on us like, oh, these are my kids. You know, come on, kid, let's go out like I do with my boy. Hey, come on, let's go fishing or whatever. Or let's go hiking. You know, and sometimes, I mean, with my boy, I'm like, come on, you're the leader. You go in front of us. You go hiking. You, and he's like, I'm the leader. I'm the leader. And God wants to do it so much with us. I think as you do it, you know, you'll see God doing it with you more and more and more. Because this is on his heart. It's like kind of like, do you want to hang out with God? Well, if you want to hang out with God, he likes to be intimate with you. There's things he likes to do. This is one of them. Excellent. Share some statistics with it, because I think one of the lies we believe sometimes is people really don't care, or that Christianity is continuing to shrink around the world, that there's not ongoing results. Basically, I told people this. Revival is not a carnival that comes to town. Okay? You guys got that? Revival happens when we step out by faith and are the revival. The Holy Spirit is in us. He's not going to come any more than he already is. He's here but we can obey him more today than we did yesterday. I want you to see what God's doing around the world. Every time you see something moving up there, those are people that are logging on to this website. This is just one ministry. There are many more like it. But this shows you live decisions for Christ. So across this planet, as people hear the gospel and make a response to Jesus Christ, you get to see that today. And as I share the stats, 
This is visual proof. First service, there were 10,000 people that had made decisions for Christ today. Right now it's over 13,000. Then there were about 2,000 that wanted to be followed up with or discipled. These are people that this morning said, we want to be discipled. We just made a decision for Christ. Now there are 2,500. So you can see, just in the last couple hours, 3,000 more people came to Christ. 500 more want to be discipled. This is just one glimpse from one ministry, and there are many more, all around the planet, of what's going on right now. So as we share and as we continue to speak, look at all the places. Morocco, Albania, Muslim countries, atheist countries, countries all around the planet where people are trusting Christ even right this second. And now I'm going to share some stats with you. Today, 260,000 people are going to hear the good news. That's good news, okay? 260,000 people. Of those, 174,000 are going to put their trust in Christ. 174,000. You've probably heard Islam is the fastest growing religion on the planet. Islam is growing by about 69,000 people a day, mostly through birth, not through conversions. Christianity, every single day, is growing by 174,000 people. And those are people making decisions, not just being born into it. Okay? Now, out of that, check this out. Every day in China, 30,000 people come to Christ. Every day in South America, 34,000 people come to Christ. Africa, 25,000 people. Okay, every day in the Muslim world, 16,000 people put their trust in Christ. Now get this, the body of Christ in America is shrinking by about 8,000 people a day. There are numerous reasons why. 80% of 18-year-old Christian kids that grew up in a Christian family leave their faith their first year away from home. There are statistics like that. In America, the body of Christ is decreasing by 8,000 a day. In the Muslim world, it's increasing by 16,000 a day. So imagine this, the body of Christ is growing at an enormous rate, much faster in the Muslim world than it is even here in the United States. God put us here to win our country, though. Acts 17, 26, and 27 say that God put you in the city that you live in at the time that you live there so that men would seek him and find him. So the reason you're here is that men around you, that women around you, the people around you would seek and find Jesus Christ. It's the only reason you're here right now. What's the name of this website, by the way? This is uh, Great Commission 2020. So Great Commission, two M's, two S's, 2020.com. Okay. Because watch this. I, I, I've literally pulled this up on my computer on my desk and just watch it, and I begin praising the Lord. 13,153. 13,153 going once. 13,156. Three people just received Christ. You know the encouragement that brings you? You know the encouragement you say, listen, we're not losing this war. We're winning this war for lost. But we're losing it locally. So guess what? Maybe the troops on the ground aren't doing what we're supposed to right here. I mean, do we care that your name is going to help? Do we care that they go to Christless eternity? I mean, isn't it something that, that, that resounds within our soul? That that, that that great waitress at that restaurant we love is going to hell? Do we care that we're building a relationship with them to share the faith of God with them? That's the kind of thing the Lord is, is pulling us out from here and saying. And, and the whole idea of this message and sharing what they're doing is that we would get past a place of complacency. If the shepherd would leave 99 to go get one, that's not good enough for God. And if we are truly disciples of God, then we really have to question ourselves if we don't have that kind of passion for those who are outside the family of God. So God wants to birth that within you and ignite that within you. And so the question I have for each one of us is, do we really go out with that mentality day by day, week by week? Do we see that this is our responsibility to share the love of Jesus with others? Because when you look at the parable of the coins, and you look at the parable of the sheep, they left what they had, and there was an all-out radical search to find that which was lost. And that's the same intensity which really... I think, you know, I was, I was watching this and watching and listening to the song At the Cross, where my sins were laid down, and all the words from that. And I'm looking at that and going, 
I'm thinking about how many of us are, are, are loving this song because it's so meaningful. But if it's so meaningful to us, what are we saying to those around us who we don't share faith with? Go to hell. That's what we're saying. And it's that important that we catch this, that it's important for us. The, the, the greatest thing we can do is crazy love is sharing the love of Jesus. And the whole idea of crazy love, of loving our neighbors and doing acts of love and acts of mercy is that we would open doors to share the greatest act of love, which is the love of Jesus Christ, laying his life down for others. Okay, so another question while I'm bringing that up. How can you share without fear, guys? I mean, face it, the thing that probably stops us most often is fear. Some type of fear, whether it's fear of rejection, fear of we're going to look stupid, fear we're not going to know the answer. I mean, there's all kinds of fears. So how do you handle this? Because I'm sure you face different situations. I'm sure in Afghanistan you're never afraid to share your faith. In fact, you know, we're afraid to share our faith with our neighbor, maybe more than sharing our faith around the So, you know, give us some things to do with that. Well, I think it's like anything else. In some ways, as you start doing it, you start overcoming your fear. There's no way that you're going to start overcoming your fear by just being like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. And somehow, like it's like jumping off a cliff. You start little, and then you go to a bigger cliff and a bigger cliff. I mean, I'd say that because me and Sarah do that. Uh, we were in Hawaii last year. And, yeah, we have some fun stories about jumping off cliffs. But you get more and more confidence each and every time that you do it. And as you start to see God use you in miraculous ways, it, it just becomes easier and easier because you just, you're like, no, hey, God's going with me. I'm not doing this by myself. And, um, but I think it definitely, uh, it would be not thinking about as much dwelling on what uh, people might say or, but if you read books about heaven and hell, uh, 23 Minutes in Hell is a great one. My Dreams of Heaven is a great one. We, we make our team read these. And those are the best things to read about right before you go out and do evangelism or something like that because it, it convinces you of the eternity that people are going to spend in one place or another. And so when I think about Afghans persecuting me or, you know, I mean, very much like this last year that happened, I just think about hell. I think they're, they're going to hell. Uh, a lot of these guys around here that haven't trusted Christ. And uh, my God's saying, okay, go ahead and do it. And so do I want perks from Jesus when I get to heaven? You know, do I want him to say, well, then I'm getting a faithful servant? Or, do I want him, or am I going to fear the people or their opinions of me? And I think that that oftentimes is the biggest help. When I'm in Afghanistan, there's been a couple of times. One guy told me he was going to kill me. And, uh, well, that's happened a couple of times. But anyways, all this is a normal day in Afghanistan. <laughs> and, and even this last time with my wife and my kids, I have three little kids there. And we have a lot of other people on our team with kids. And so for me, you know, it's just the reality of heaven and hell when it comes to you. Like, do you, what, do you, what is God going to say to you when you come before him? I, an Afghan guy said that to me. Why do you live in Afghanistan? You can live anywhere. Why do you do that? And I was like, well... Uh, you know, on Judgment Day, when I see God, and He's familiar with this, like I'm going to be able to say to Him, you know, I did what You wanted me to do, and He's, he's going to be all good with me, you know. For and I think that that eternal perspective for me puts it in perspective. I guess real practically, it goes back to loving your Savior. First John four sixteen says, "Perfect love casts out all fear." Again, if you're passionate about Christ. Fear will dissipate. It'll be gone. And I want to just share a real quick practical deal. I'll keep this short. We call it four sound barriers. And these are four barriers that keep you from sharing your faith. Number one is meeting someone. It's difficult just to meet somebody out of the blue. Number two is getting into a spiritual conversation. So you just met somebody, but how are you going to bring up spirituality? That's kind of hard. Number three is actually sharing the gospel. So transitioning from spirituality to the gospel message. 
And then the fourth one is actually asking them to make a decision and to respond to what Jesus claims. Those are four difficult things to do, and each one of them has a little bit of fear associated with it. Now, I would encourage you, we have some great tools, and uh, we're going to use some of those this afternoon. We'll invite you. But if you can use some different tools, they can get you right through those four barriers. We're going to use a, a picture survey that's super exciting today, and it gets you the, through the first two. Then you can use a, little, a short message. We call it the Knowing God Personally booklet. That gets you through the third and fourth one. You can quickly, today, share the full gospel and invite somebody to make a decision and have a blast doing it. So go at your level. Take some steps. Get some good tools. And, and just get in the fight. It's going to be exciting. And I, I would say as well with that, to pray about how to share. Not pray about if you should, you know, like, or it's about giving. You know, we know we should give. We should be givers. Pray about how to give. And then let God use you in those ways that he brings to your mind. You'll get more and more encouraged as you see, oh, man, I just did that. And God confirmed that I it through this miracle or, you know, different things like that. And just think, think about this. How important is it, or how would you feel if that person that you know suddenly makes a decision for Christ? I mean, how would, you, how would your day change? Not only would your day change, but how does eternity change? How does history change? You want to be a history maker? You want to be a difference maker in history? Lead one person to Christ, and you changed all of history. You changed all of eternity. And that's why it's you know, so important in the, in the realm of the whole kingdom of God. Final thoughts here as we come to close Matthew 9.37 says the harvest is ripe, guys. The people around you are interested, whether they look like it or not. John 12, 32 and 33, Jesus says he's drawing every person to himself. Everyone, your coworkers, your relatives, your neighbors. He's working on their hearts, whether it looks like it or not. And talking about this guy that wanted to kill somebody else, I'll leave you with a, a neat story. There was a, a guy my wife and I met that wanted to kill himself. And, and he, he literally was very rich. He was younger than me. I was about 23 at the time. He was 21 or 22. Had a company, had his houses, had his cars. He had everything going for him. And he looked at me in the eyes and he said, if you don't tell me how to have Christ in my life, I will kill myself tonight. Okay? This guy, if I would have looked at him, I could have said, man, he's got it all going. He's happy. He doesn't want me to mess up his life by trying to share Christ with him. This guy was desperate to the point of suicide because he was empty and he knew it. And he trusted Christ that day. Okay. We can't end with that because I think sometimes, um, I mean, could have with that. Um, you hear something like that, guys, and there are people all around us just like that. You know, we think sometimes the desperate people are just the ones at the soup kitchen or the homeless shelter. Uh, but there's desperate people in Qantas. There's desperate people in the Chamber of Commerce. There's desperate people in the, in the schools where you teach. There's desperate people who are your employees or your employer. There's desperate people all around because ultimately you know and those of you who are believers and are not walking fully with God right now, you know that you're missing something in your life. And when you understand that you're missing that, and then you find it, why wouldn't you want that same thing for that friend, that coworker, that girlfriend you have? Why, why wouldn't you want to say, treasure, a treasure hunt? That's how God looks at every one of these people. It's a treasure hunt. We're losing ground in America, guys. Not on my watch, but on our watch. We're losing ground. What if we said here at the River Church, okay, just like on March 2nd, 1978, March 2nd, 1978, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I kind of, I was told to drive a stake into the ground that when I became doubtful if I received Christ or Satan came to 
to taunt me, I would say, no, March 2nd, 1978, you can't touch the enemy. I have a stake in the ground. What if on this date, isn't today July 25th? Is it? Seven months, six months till Christmas. Five months till Christmas. What if on this date we drove a stake in the ground and said, no longer on our watch? Not in La Plata County, not in Durango. Not with these guys going to Romania, who you can sign up to go share your faith in Romania or with me in Africa later this year, or Mexico with Gustavo. What if not on our watch? What if not on our watch? We said, we are not going to let this go any longer. We are going to share our faith diligently. Will every person come to Christ? No. But we'll have done our part to share Jesus with those we come into contact with, and many will come to Jesus. We're going to get more information. You have a website? Yeah. If you go to eternityimpact.com, that's our website, eternityimpact.com. And on the left, you're going to see a tab that says resources. Click resources. And then under, there it is right there. On the left, you see it says resources. And then he's already gone there. Uh, under resources, it'll say evangelism resources. We have loads of podcasts, notes, training tools, examples, videos, MP3s. You name it, it's all there. We put a lot of time into this so that if you are interested in sharing your faith, you'll have some resources to help you do it. And it's not just our tools, it's tools from all over the country. And we're doing a blog, it's actually listed on there, where every week we try to give new, fresh ideas for how you can share your faith. And then as people do them, we share the stories of what happened. And I would encourage you, as you look at this resource, James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you know that you need to share your faith, and you don't, you'll begin to believe the lie that people around you don't want to hear. You'll begin to believe the lie that God can't use you. You'll begin to believe the lie that people aren't interested. But the second you take what you know to be true from God's word and put it into application, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to convince you that he is going to use you, right? And you're going to see God come through in ways that will just revolutionize your, your Christian life. Romans 16.25 tells you that you are established through preaching the gospel. So if you feel like your Christian life has been stagnant or rocky or full of pitfalls, I would venture to say you probably have not been established through sharing your faith. Let me actually say with that as well, many times when I go out and share with somebody, I am in my heart a bit timid. It's like I used to be in wrestling, and uh, I would get nervous before every single match, you know, or whatever. Um, and I was I was decently good at wrestling, you know, but it wasn't, that didn't... Could, Help me, you know. A lot of times, at the end of me sharing, the times whenever I'm sharing, you know, weekly or whatever, man, I feel so much more energized and encouraged than I did before I started. And oftentimes, it, the devil wants to stop that that little reaction of faith, and faith is not a feeling; it's just obedience to God's word. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, I think that I just encourage you, just do it. And, and I mean, you, you, I think a lot of people are, think that it's not going to be fun, or think that it's going to. Today. Today. Uh, today, Jacob and I are going to be taking people from all over town witnessing. I would encourage you, if you want to see this city won, and I want to see this city won bad, I want to see Durango won. Somebody asked me this year, what's, what's the number one thing you, you want God to do? And I said, I want to be like Paul, where we can say about our area, there's no more work for us here. Right? The gospel's been preached to everyone. I, I look forward to that day. You guys, it's not going to happen overnight. Right? In Matthew 13, 1-9, we hear about the parable of the sower, right? And, and what I want to encourage you with is God's going to produce fruit in accordance with what we sow. And we're not going to reap what we don't sow. So let's start sowing. Let's start sharing the good news and then reap a harvest together. 
So here's the big chance. You get to go today. Today at 3 o'clock, we're going to meet at Calvary International. It's the gray church with the blue roof on College Ave. Most of you know where it's at. If you don't, you can come ask us. We're going to head out at 3. We're going to split up all over town. We're going to give you some tools that make this a blast. Pray that it doesn't rain. And even if it does rain, still come because we're still going to go out and trust that uh, God is going to trap some people under awnings just for us to share with them. So anyway, <laughs> come share with us. You're going to have a blast. You have my promise and my word. And I hear Dwight had it even bigger. He even sweetened that deal. Yeah, because those teenagers and uh, college students who love to go like to Sirius, Texas and spend their afternoon there, I will challenge you that if you go on this and you don't like it, I will take you to Sirius, Texas, and I'll treat you for as much food as you can eat. So that's my challenge, because I, I think sharing your faith is uh, addictive in a good way. You see that this is why you're here on planet Earth, is to share your faith and to share your love with Jesus. It'll be fun. Join us at 3. It'll be awesome, guys. Hey, tell them, just to close here, tell them what the, uh, we can't get the video up, but tell them what the atheists have to say. Okay, most of you guys know Penn and Teller, these famous atheists, comedians, magicians, etc., 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 well, Penn, Gillette, somebody shared the gospel with him, gave him a Bible. This happened, you know, I guess, about a year ago. And he, he blogged about it the next day on his video blog. And we have the link. Uh, if you go to YouTube and just type in Penn Gift Bible, those three words, Penn Gift Bible, it'll come up. You'll see the video. But he basically puts it like this. He says, I don't respect people that don't proselytize or don't share their faith. He says, if you believe that heaven exists and people could not be going there, or if you believe that hell exists and people might be going there. He says, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them that? <clears throat> how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them that? This is coming from an atheist. He says, if you think that you shouldn't share because it will make something socially awkward, he goes, that's not true at all. If you believe this is true, you better be sharing it. And then he concludes by saying, look, if, if you're walking across the street and a truck is bearing down on you and about to hit you, he says, at some point, I'm going to tackle you. And then he says, and this is even more important than that. And then he goes on to say, yeah, I'm still an atheist and everything, but if you believe, you better be sharing it. So, so that's a pretty amazing Check out Pen Gift Bible in YouTube. You'll see last comment? I think uh, do it with somebody else. That's the only other thing I would encourage you to do. Do it with somebody else and start reading a lot of these things, you know, and that will encourage you to do it more and more. And um, I, we used to do treasure hunts is what we call them, where we just go out and we just be like, Spirit, where do you want me to go? And we were with our big team. We had like 100 people doing it at one time. And it was phenomenal how many just God stories and miracles. We just run up to people and pray for sick people with crutches or whatever. You know, you can see. I think I just encourage you, just start doing it. You know, I, I think that's the biggest thing. I wish these guys were passionate, don't you? <laughs> Thank them for me, William. So you can see, we can pray for a little passion for those two, that they really catch it, you know, it'll be good. So you see a couple things. Three points I want to see from these three things that are, these three stories. The parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, parable of the son who leaves and the elder brother is there and then he throws a party. First of all, something of value is lost. First thing we got to understand in the kingdom of God is that something of value is lost. You are valuable. Our personal statement ought to be this. I am valuable to God. That's why God sought me out. I am eternally valuable to God. Here's the key. Everyone you lock eyes with, guys. Everyone you lock eyes with. You look at somebody today, you glance at them and you catch their eye in the store. You go into a movie and you catch their eye. Guess what? Jesus Christ died for them and God thinks they're infinitely valuable. That coworker who drives you absolutely bonkers, God even thinks they're 
infinitely valuable. There's not anyone you lock eyes with that God doesn't say, this, I died for that person. Now, we got to get that perspective, an eternal perspective. That's what Crazy Love really is about. That book, Crazy Love, as I read that, uh, over, a lot of it over vacation, it was getting an eternal perspective that I'm looking through God's eyes, first towards Him, and re- having that crazy love for God, and then towards others. That I'd be crazy in love with humanity. That I love my neighbors so much that I don't care whether they accept me or approve me, but I'm going to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. Because they matter to God. That's the eternal. Bottom line is, people matter to God, so people must matter to us. That is one of our foundational values here at the River Church. People matter. People matter. Let me ask you a question. Do people matter enough? Could you pray enough to say, Lord, what if I could lead one person to Christ this year? In the course of by June next year, could I lead one person to Jesus? And when I start praying that way, and if we did, there's about 300 or 400 adults who attend the church. You know, what would that look like, Three or 400 people? And, and what if I, I, I even saw them develop in their walk with Christ and disciple them, and suddenly they became such that uh, they led somebody else to Christ next year? That'd be like six or 800 people to Christ. And in another year, that'd be 1,600, and then 3,200, 6,400, you know, 12,800, 25,600, 50,000, 51,200. I was given a mathematical mind. I can't help myself. It's like five, six years we got the job done. But it starts with one. We believe for one. And how about being crazy? How about some of you saying, I'm going to believe for three or four or five or ten. Because until I, until I start praying for one, I really believe you will not really start sharing your faith fervently until you start saying, Lord, every day I'm praying for one person. Lord, show me who that person is. I'm just going to share my faith. I'm going to be open, Lord. Surprise me. It's that Holy Spirit-led, like Jacob was talking about, being surprised with who you're going to share your faith with. And ask the Lord, give me a word of knowledge. Give me, you know, I see somebody hurt, can I pray for you? And then share that Jesus with them. You know, sometimes it's this kind of seed, sometimes it's that kind of seed. You don't fish for all kinds of fish with the same kind of bait. There's different bait that you use. Sometimes there's different things that people need to hear and how they need to hear it and be presented to them. Something of value is lost. Secondly, there was an all-out search. All out search. This lady, she swept it. She's probably a widow. She's got nine coins. You know, the stock market hit bottom. Her retirement plan is no longer good. She's got to find that tenth coin. She does everything she can for that tenth coin. And she finds it. All out search. All out search for the sheep. Now, it doesn't say the father searched for the son, but he was gazing toward the horizon, always watching for that son. You see, Jesus is relating this to the Pharisees because he's saying, this is how important it is. This is how important it is. I will, he's, he's not telling him yet, but I'm going to lay my life down for the one. I'm laying my life down for the coin. I'm laying my life down for the, for the son. Because they're infinitely valuable to God. And then finally, oh, you see the bottom line here is God wants everyone to come. It's not his will that any would perish, the scripture tells us. Thirdly, a celebration erupts in heaven. Here's my personal st- statement. On March 2nd, 1978, there was a party in heaven. I've always liked parties. I still like parties. I like when the River Church throws a party. But the best party ever was when heaven celebrated that I came home to my Father God. There's a party waiting for your friends. Many of you have already had your party in heaven. And maybe you failed to recognize it, that a heaven erupted. This morning's first service, somebody received Christ. A party exploded in heaven because of somebody receiving Jesus Christ. God does this through sharing our faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a work of convincing people. This is a way of saying, Lord, I am partnering with you. Holy Spirit, use me today. Holy Spirit, use me at 3 o'clock. I I, I encourage you, 
if you can't make it, you know, try to make it a three. If you can't make it a three, we're going to have other opportunities in the future. Nate and I have been talking, and I have talked in the past about holding a, a class of training and teaching more in depth, and we'll be doing that this fall, I hope. So, bottom line, will you ask the Lord right now, Lord, give me one person this year with the Holy Spirit, that you'll pray, that you'll be open enough to share your faith for one person, just one person. Lord, I pray right now, you begin to burden this in our hearts with a passion. Lord, fuel the passion. Holy Spirit, fuel the passion that lost people matter to God. That you're an all-out search, and you're sending us out to look for that one. You're sending us out to look for the one that's lost, Lord. Lord, it's not your will that any perish. Don't let us have the attitude that really we're just saying to our neighbors, go to hell. Don't let us be saying to our co-workers, go to hell, because we're not going to share our faith. But Lord, let us be obedient. Let us be ones who are so obedient to you. Would you just pray for one? Just with your heads bowed. I didn't ask this first service, but I just want to see. If you're willing to ask the Lord for one or five,